Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and a warm welcome from Barangaroo Studios. This is The Call, 10 stocks picked by you, two experts, one hour. I'm Daniela Kouye and I will be your host for the next 60 minutes. So let's move on and introduce our two great guests for today. And joining me now is Claude Walker via Skype from A Rich Life and Philip Pepe from Shore and Partners here in the studio. Good afternoon, gentlemen. I hope you are both well. Um, well, thanks. Good to be here. <laughs> okay, and what a day we actually have because there is a lot happening out there on the market. But nevertheless, Rather than discussing bond routes and what's going on with all the selling, I just saw Philip rolling his eyes. Yes, it's a pretty grim couple of days for shareholders. We are going to focus on the stocks that have been picked by you. And first five stocks that we have today are Titomic, Brickworks, XRF Scientific, Ainsworth Game Technology and SRG Global. But before we move on to those, we are going to look at the stock of the day, which is Insurance Australia Group IAG. And IAG has renewed its 2.5% whole of account quota share arrangement with Hanover Re, effective from July 1, 2023, for a term of five years. The renewal provides consistent financial outcomes and covers 32.5% of gross claims costs, reducing the need to purchase additional catastrophe program coverage. IOG has also purchased aggregate and third, fourth event reinsurance covers for the financial year ending June 30th, 2024, offering protection of 250 million in excess of 600 million. So we are going to now focus on IAG. Now, Philip, these insurance stocks have been amazing performers. They are beneficiaries of a higher interest rate environment, but we have had so many catastrophes which really has been working against them. So securing this reinsurance is, is surely uh, you know, a good thing for IAG. How are you seeing it? Look, uh, it's definitely a positive. Uh, we have had a lot of catastrophes in Australia and New Zealand with over the last couple of years with bushfires, floods, earthquakes in New Zealand. Um, so catastrophes are at almost record high levels, if not record high levels. Um, that means the cost of reinsurance has gone up, gone up materially. So insurance companies like IAG, QBE, Suncorp, who run retail brands in Australia and New Zealand, they themselves take out insurance because they don't have the balance sheet to pay billions of dollars in, in catastrophe claims. So reinsurers around the world have said, well, Australia and New Zealand's been risky. We are hiking up our reinsurance rates. 
Uh, and what's happened in the last few months in Australia is that the major insurers have now looked at how much reinsurance can they afford to pay for, how much balance sheet risk can they retain themselves. And what we've seen almost to a company is that um, they just can't afford to pay or it's not economical to pay, have the same amount of cover uh, at the new rates. Mm. So they're, um, they're taking out less reinsurance coverage. Mm. Um, and maintain and maintaining more risk on balance sheets. So, in an example, you know, if they were previously retaining the first 250 million of catastrophe claims, they might now retain 300 or 350 million. So they're taking more risk on balance sheet. However, they themselves have material pricing power because you know co- their costs are going up, just like every other entry. When the costs go up, ultimately the consumer pays. So, at a recent strategy day. IAG gave the market an insight into the price pre, um, price increases they're putting through. In home, uh, we're looking at price increases of around 20%. Yeah, it's huge, isn't it? Motor, 14%, commercial, 15%, then New Zealand, around 20%. Mm. So all these extra reinsurance costs will actually hit us as a consumer in the hip pocket. And if you've got that sort of pricing power, if you're an IAG, it is a company worth looking at. Analysts consider this to be fair value because it's had a good run. But for me, a company that demonstrates that sort of pricing power in an industry where interest rate rises actually benefit it, I actually think it's worth looking at. So I'd call it a buy. Okay. Well, our first buy of the day. And Claude, what are you thinking about IAG? I think in the long term, I would avoid having a long-term holding in insurers just because the dynamic Philip was talking about means that you're basically uh, positioning to suffer if it turns out that there is a lot more extreme river from climate change and that the actuaries are having more difficulty modeling that correctly, uh, as opposed to taking the bet that, you know, oh, don't worry about climate change, that, you know, pedestrians aren't going to be an, an issue. I think it makes the, the, the core value out of an insurer is the actuaries who can do all the numbers and get the, get the pricing right. I think that's a lot harder when you're changing a system rapidly as we as is occurring in terms of the atmosphere and the concentrations of CO2. So it's a that's a problem with it long term. And for that reason, I don't like insurance long term. However, I actually agree with the in the short term, at least he, he may take a long term view. But I actually say in the short term, it is probably a good buy. I think today of all days, we're seeing the market readjusting to high interest rates or high bond rates, however you want to think about it. and I have been happy. Look, I think it's quite clear for the last you know year or so we've been in a different regime. Uh, previously, the bet to take for like ten years or more was lower for longer or lower rates. Basically, position yourself for lower rates. It's like shooting fish in a barrel. A lot of people, like myself, just got lucky because you get that one thing right, and then everything is uh, helping you. And um, then now it's a different regime, and the bet to be taking more has been uh, actually higher for longer, and just because of the dynamics of the interest that they then get from their investments in the float. Uh, interest, uh, insurance companies are actually a reasonable way to play that environment. So I guess at a certain point, the market expectations of rates will get too pessimistic and actually inflation will start, will be coming down more across the board and things will be easing. And uh, at some point, I would want to get out of insurance. But for now, I think that it's a reasonable uh, bet with the momentum, which yeah. reward is in your favour. 
Yeah, absolutely. Tailwinds in terms of a, a route in the uh, in the global bond markets at the moment. But uh, I think you make some really interesting points there in terms of the longer term business model. Given that we're seeing El Nino hitting at the moment across the Northern Hemisphere, but nevertheless, that is very exciting because we have two buys for stock of the day IAG. And uh, that's a great start uh, to the call. But let's get straight into it. And our first stock of the day picked by Jack is is Titomic. I'm sure I haven't got that right. Ticker code TTT. Philip, we were talking about this uh, off camera. Shed some light for us, please. Look, I won't claim to be an expert in Titomic, but a firm I used to work for used to cover the stock and and it used to be uh, predominantly a 3D printer or a company to aspire to do 3D printing. I think now at the moment it does more um, additives for metal manufacturing, makes metal products stronger. Um, at the time, uh, 3D printers uh, or the potential, what they could produce were all the rage. You can see from the share price, it was a, you know, call it a market darling, it was certainly a sector that was getting a lot of space, a bit like AIs at the moment, I guess. Um, the share price and the earnings suggest, as per usual with technology type stocks, it's takes a lot longer um, for technology to develop um, than, than often analysts think and maybe there was a couple of false starts and share prices probably reflecting investor lack of patience in the stock um, and now it's only a, it's, it's the micro of micro caps at under mm. 10 mil market cap. Um, I can't push this as a buy. If we were sitting here in June, I'd say take your tax losses and, um, and run. Uh, I'm going to call it a sell only because if you, if you still owned it, it's probably such a small portion of your portfolio. The time and effort um, in monitoring and analysing the next stock, you might not get your you know bang for your buck in it. So it's it's not a sector or a stock you need to play in. It's it's not expensive by any stretch, and it's, it's probably all option value at the it, moment. It is loss making though, isn't it? it yeah, is, it and is. that's a problem yeah. in this environment. Yeah, generally speaking, any loss making, cash burning technology type stocks, I'm weary of. Yeah, um, they could have an announcement tomorrow, and the stock rebounds um, quite quickly. That's more speculative than investing it's a hold slash sell um, if you want it all the way down maybe hang on to it but I wouldn't spend a lot of time on it if it's option value great otherwise just punt it and buy something else yeah so Claude just looking at that chart for Titomic it's had a really hefty uh, well it's fallen about 92% how do you see it well, I think even even more than that, if you take the absolute peak, because it's, it was above a dollar and now it's uh, t- less than two cents, and they're still raising capital now. Essentially, uh, uh, yeah, this is this is a just it's you wouldn't short it because it's so down so far. But it's an ab- if anything, I would just say Philip was probably a little bit too nice about it. Uh, this was a this is a real hype story. Uh, you know, he's absolutely correct. There was a lot of hype and promotion around three D printing. I guess these guys kind of uh, cash in on that. At the moment, they have you know a spray situ- situation where they're essentially spraying metal particles at supersonic uh, speed. Uh, what growth they have has been you know partly by acquiring other businesses that have customers. However, they don't really have much growth. Uh, even their revenue, a-, a lot of that isn't even revenue from customers. So in the half year, they made three point eight million in revenue. But uh, only 1.5 was in uh, revenue from contacts with customers. So pretty small revenue, massive losses, 7.2 in the last half. Uh, just at the moment, raising shares, raising um, capital at one cent per share. So look, if you did have any left, obviously it must be a tiny holding now. But uh, you could obviously, I would say, just to sell at 1.7 cents because everyone has an entitlement to buy at one cent. So yeah, I basically... 
uh, clear sell for me. And also, you know, I personally won't be investing um, in any of the companies that like any companies, I, if I if they were directors, I just don't want anywhere near it. Like, yeah. Not only would I not invest in this company, I wouldn't <laughs> invest in related companies. Okay, fair enough. Okay, so we've got a, a double sell on that one. Let's move along swiftly. And our second stock is Brickworks, picked by Arla. So I might swift, uh, swift, exchange back to you, uh, Claude. What do you think of Brickworks, particularly in this type of uh, housing cycle that we have here in Australia? Look, I think that I, I probably, as, a, as more of a small cap expert, uh, I'd leave it to Philip to give a view on the exact valuation. But in terms of uh, how I think of Rick works, I essentially see it as a, a somewhat diversified construction-related uh, blue chip stock. And the reason that I, you know, obviously it's got this cross-holding with uh, Washington ASOL Pattinson and investments there. So it's not all on bricks. Uh, generally speaking, though, I would have... Generally speaking, say this is a kind of dividend stock you can hold long term. It's very there aren't many I'd say about that, uh, but so that is a clear niche in which it is good. And so at worst, I would say hold. And then uh, if you were considering buying, I would think about well, at the moment in Australia we are having uh, you know obviously labour shortages, and actually despite everyone's negativity, there's still job ads galore compared to pre-pandemic. So immigration is probably going to fill in to, to answer that need and then that in turn is going to really create a need for more building and if, obviously we've got some argy-bargy in government at the moment with the greens bizarrely trying to stand in the way of building as soon as possible but i think eventually you know their own voters don't want them to um keep doing this so essentially they're going to start building more and they have to and and i would say that also similar obviously brickworks has massive overseas um operations well so there are a lot of moving parts in there yeah uh, but generally speaking i'd be positive a positive but would you buy it sorry i mean i'm gonna i basically prefer it's not how i invest you know i am defensive in that i have a lot of cash uh for opportunities and then when i do take opportunities i'm usually looking for going for growth like multi-year compounders yeah and because of all the moving parts and the conglomerates it is in partly a cyclical industry you get a big recession it's going to be bad for them especially it's a global recession so uh, you know, it's not it's not how I invest, okay. but I do think it's a reasonable hold. So I'd call a reasonable it a hold. hold. Okay, a reasonable hold, or a neutral, as the bro- the brokers like to say. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Philip, what about you? Structural structural uh, tailwinds possibly for this one. Well, it's interesting you say that consensus has earnings going backwards in FY twenty four. Yeah. So perhaps some some headwinds as well. I mean. About half, maybe more of its earnings are construction building related. And of those, it's about 60-40 Australia, North America. Uh, Obviously, multiple speed economies and actually owns some property trusts as well. I'm cautious property trusts because cap rates are going up. Mm. You know, NAVs are going down. Mm. We'll see some of that um, in the August results if we ever get transactions where we can actually see mark to market. That's the reality. Um, But the company's delivered. And, you know, this is not a market where you need to sell your winners. And my understanding is they've got a reasonable amount of pricing power as well. And it pays a good dividend, as Claude said. So it's not expensive. It's it's fair value on analyst forecasts. Um, Companies struggle to outperform with a declining earnings outlook, but it may only be a year. Um, so I'm going to call it a hold. Basically, don't sell your winners. Uh, it's got a mixture of tailwinds and headwinds. It's not expensive. 
if you if you think beyond a year, um, hold on to it. You get a good divvy. It does have a cross ownership in, in Solpats, which I think is good business as well. Um, mm. So I'll call it a hold. Basically, it's on fair value and um, mixture of tailwinds and headwinds. I think it's a um, safe place to park some money, but I wouldn't chase it. At the yeah, current, indeed. Current share price. I think it's probably one of those stocks along with Solpats where they have quite a lot of loyal shareholders um, that yeah. you know really you know are, are quite hooked on there. But fair enough. Two holds there for Brickworth. And uh, just having a look at the earnings, Philip's absolutely right. They are under pressure this year, but looking to rebound somewhat. Oh, no, continue to contract next year, according to consensus forecasts, but hardly surprising given the rising interest rate environment. Let's move on to our third stock, which is picked by Greg, XRF Scientific, ticker code XRF. Claude, what do you think of this as far as I can, uh, a precious metals company, I think? Uh, yeah, so it does a few things, actually. This is one that I've followed uh, for a while now and 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 written about just because I love that little profitable uh, growing small cap, which is what XRF is. Now, I don't own shares at the moment, but I have in the past. And I think that the current management team has done a great job. They've actually been, the current CEO has been there for quite some time. So if you look at the five-year chart, you can see some of what the company's achieved under his uh, stewardship. Uh, look, they do have a few different versions, the the, pred- uh, the precious metals division. So, Oh, that. Uh, sorry, we just... Have you still got me? Yeah, we just lost you for a second. You just started on the precious metals division. Yeah, so uh, basically that's laboratory products and that is mining customers. And so... The company is certainly exposed to the mining cycle, how much exploration, et cetera, is going on at any given time. That's the big risk because at the moment it's had great momentum with demand there. Now, they do have a business model that's better than your average supplier because they have a decent segment that is also the consumable products. So, uh, for example, the main one is this uh, lithium borate, I think, called um, X-ray flux. And that's used, uh, you know, by, again, their customers who are using it to do analysis of, say, copper or nickel or whatever it may be. And then the final section is the, the capital equipment, the crushing thing, which could obviously be uh, up and down as well, but is going strongly at the moment. Uh, therefore, uh, I would say, look, if you look at the most recent quarterly, and if you took a generous uh, perspective and you just annualize the most recent quarterly profit before tax, apply to normal tax rate, you get a stock that's on probably forward earnings of about 20 times earnings. So perhaps a little expensive there. I nonetheless like it. And whilst I don't own myself, uh, I would actually... It, lean towards saying it's a buy just that with that big risk that if the mining cycle turns then it's quite likely their earnings will fall as well cool thank you claude so leaning towards a buy or a buy possibly on weakness hey uh yeah i'd say a buy i I basically would have to say if i had to choose one it's a buy a buy i don't own myself but i'm kind of interested (laughs) interested okay i'm going to put it down as a buy philip what do you think X-ray fluorescence is a great name, XRF. Uh, it's in a good space. It tests core samples, basically. I'm grossly right. oversimplifying it. And commodity prices have been volatile. They went up strongly. They've come down. Volumes have been pretty consistent, though, mm-hmm. because they didn't go up in a lot of cases in proportion with the prices. So. Um, I completely agree with the risks that Claude faces, but we haven't actually seen a material downturn in their commodities just yet. But it is a risk if um, you know if China doesn't come on stream, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and the stock's had a great run. So it's in the right space. Uh, it's got some tailwinds. As Claude said, it's on circa 20 times adjusted PE for a company this size. It's had a good run. 
I'm going to call it a hold. Uh, it would need a material pullback for me to buy it on a risk return basis. I wouldn't sell it because the company's delivering. Um, but for me, just because it's had a great run and it's quite pricey in, in a market that's probably trading at 15 times on average, mm -hmm. uh, it, it's not a stock you need to own today. Uh, but certainly a great company worth keeping an eye on and whatever your price point is, um, buy it at some stage. But for me, it's a bit too pricey today, uh, but Fair certainly on the, on the watch list. Yep. Okay, cool. So uh, a hold and a buy on that one. Let's move on to the fourth stock, Ainsworth Game Technology, AGI. And this has been picked by Pam. So Philip, do you like this gaming company? Not really. Not really, Not yeah. Really. And I was having a look at the chart. It's pretty uh, uninspirational, isn't it? I'm going to call it a hold because of the sector. Um, I prefer Aristocrat. Um, so it makes games, uh, one-armed bandits as they used to be called, uh, electronic games for casinos, pubs, clubs, that kind of stuff, which means R&D, a lot of expenditure. Mm. Uh, the winner who's been the winner for a number of years is Aristocrat. They yeah. seem to always have the better producing games. And if you're a hotel owner, a casino owner, you buy last year's winner. Mm. You know, if someone's on a roll in terms of producing the best games, you keep buying them. And I, I think if you looked at the market share, Aristocrat's been growing um, market share over time. And Ainsworth has had a you know volatile history, as you've seen there. Having said that, gaming is a pretty, sadly, it's a pretty defensive space. Mm -hmm. People don't stop their attendance at pokey venues on the weekend because there's a recession. Often it goes up. So mm. uh, if I was to pick, uh, and Ainsworth is cheaper than Aristocrat. So Ainsworth wins, mm. the positives are it's in the right space, sadly, and it's cheaper than the market leader in Aristocrat. Um, if you had to pick one, I would always buy the market leader independent of valuation. So I would buy Aristocrat over Ainsworth, uh, but it's in the right space. So I'm gonna call it a hold, um, but I'd still prefer Aristocrat over Ainsworth. Yeah, and it's interesting too, because there are regulatory threats, aren't there, in terms of, you know, just gaming generally in Australia. There has been quite a, a pushback starting to emerge from both major parties. And Aristocrat's been diversifying, haven't they, sort of away to more online digital gaming. So do you think in terms of uh, regulatory changes, Ainsworth is more potentially at risk? Just by virtue of the fact that it has a higher percentage of its earnings coming from, as you say, the one-armed bandits. Look, absolutely, and I believe Aristocrat does a lot more in the US. Yeah. Um, pardon me for being cynical. Politicians are good at. You <laughs> mean they speak, but they don't act. <laughs> if we wanted to outlaw cigarettes, we would outlaw them, not tax them. If yeah. we wanted to outlaw gaming, uh, we would outlaw them, not take away the cash. Yeah. So we're making it more and more difficult, but not impossible. Okay, fair so, enough. Yeah. Okay, let's move away from the politics. Claude, what do you think about Ainsworth? I agree uh, Aristocrat would be the way to go due to that diversification, uh, absolutely. In terms of uh, just buying this one, I guess, as the, the cheaper one, uh, I agree basically that you're, it's not usually the winning strategy. You're better off buying the winner in the segment. Then in terms of uh, the regulatory risk, I think that uh, that's real, but unlikely to have a, a big impact on the ultimate invest investment outcomes. I think that the thing with this kind of stock is that ultimately, because people don't like what it does, myself included, it can trade like cheap consistently. So probably uh, I think that for me, it would be a sell because I think that the most the dividend yield's not high enough. So even if I put aside the fact that I personally would never invest in this company, uh, no matter how cheap it got. The point is that I, if I did, I'd still probably want to get a, a bigger dividend yield because I think most of your return is possibly going to come 
from that dividend unless there's a takeover or something like that one day. But just, you know, these stocks can just trade on a low, lower multiple than you'd think for a long time just because they're not so popular. Yep, fair enough. Okay, so uh, we've got basically a hold and a sell on that one. But uh, let's move on to the fifth stock, SRG Global, picked by Dave. Uh, I have it down, mining sector, contractor, industrial services. Philip, one that you like? I do. I cover the stock. I have a buy in it, so I'll, I'll, I'll be consistent with my <laughs> published views and keep the buy. We like the engineering and construction space. Um, in terms of their particular sectors, there's $200 billion spent per annum on the space. Mm-hmm. Uh, SRG has a diversified uh, group of large clients all across Australia, a little bit in New Zealand, and they're in different sectors. Uh, for the financial year that just went by to June, their um, announced contract wins totaled $1.2 billion, uh, up from about $628 billion in the prior corresponding period. So there's a lot of work out there, and they're winning their share. And there's still another $6 billion in tenders um, uh, out there in the space. It's trading about three times EV to EBITDA. Peers are on five times or more. Um, but what's happening in the space, given the expenditure, they were once considered, the sector was once considered a contractor. You win a 12-month contract, and then each year you've got to replenish what you've done. Because of the size of the work to be done Australia-wide and because of the shortage of labour, um, the work's really there for the foreseeable future, one to three years, one to five years. So the contract contracts they're winning are recurring revenue in nature in that they're one to two to three-year revenue um, projects. And they've got a large number of um, small-ish or medium-sized contracts such that they should deliver consistent revenue for a number of years. So I quite like the space and um, uh, SRG is one of our preferred picks in the sector given what they've delivered. So yeah, definitely a buy on um, SRG Global. And nice yield, just having a quick look in terms of consensus. It looks like about, um, well, we've almost finished this year, 5.5% going to 6% dividend yield. So yeah. that would also be attractive, about, uh, well, about 60% franked. Claude, what do you think of this one, SRG Global? Yes, yeah, so I own... Uh, shares in SIG Global actually, just because I sort of consider it well, considered it uh, growth at a reasonable price. Uh, the main reason, as Philip I think alluded to, is that so for me, when I'm buying a small cap, one of the things I'm looking for is like an improving quality of the business. The quality of the business is sort of that intangible thing that uh, helps determine whether it gets 12 times earnings, 15 times earnings, or 18 times earnings. So I want that to be improving. So I have a reasonable case that, you know, uh, the multiple can at least maintain itself or go up. And essentially, uh, I, what I like about these guys is with their recent uh, acquisition of ALS, they do have, uh, I guess, more ongoing or they call it recurring uh, revenue base. And that, I hope, will mean that over time, as that comes through in their results being more predictable and resilient, if that does come through, I am hopeful that they that the opinion with which uh, you know market considers the stock improves. However, the thing that uh, has annoyed, well, not annoyed me, but so much has disappointed me, is that the managing director uh, did sell uh, quite, a, quite a few shares. I think it was uh, around 1.75 million worth of shares, in part, uh, the announcement said to buy a property asset. Now, he'll still have around $3.75 million worth of shares. But, you know, that for me, I just have automatic uh, warning signs with companies. And one of those warning signs is, you know, if a managing director or a long-term leader does cash out a bunch of their shares. And 
if it's a company where the managing director owns, you know, a billion dollars or 50% of the company and they sell a bit to buy a house, yeah, fair enough. But when it's a large portion of their holding, it's, I guess, a meaningful reduction in alignment there. So that to me uh, does make me a little bit less bullish. So I've, I've actually say, even though I own shares myself, I would actually not probably buy them now. And I'd actually probably just wait until the next results uh, to see if we get more information then because... Also, just you never know. You see one insider sale. Like, what if another one yeah. comes around the corner? Yeah. Or, or what if it doesn't? In case it doesn't, maybe it's nothing, you know, and maybe the, the, the company goes on, you know, to, to higher heights, which is certainly what I'm hoping for and why I continue to hold my shares. Right. So a hold? A hold for me, that's that's my view of it. I, I am uh, happy to hold, but I yeah. just need to say that I had that one. The reason I put it down to hold in my mind is because I had that one negative. So I just yeah. want some space around that before I feel too bullish now. Fair enough. I suppose directors and managing directors are allowed to sell some shares to diversify their risk. But when they don't hold a huge proportion, then you're basically citing that, you know, there's potential red flag sitting in there somewhere. And I also, I think it's also important to consider, you know, did they hold their shares because they started the company or did they buy their shares on market or did they get that as part of their remuneration? Options, yeah. Because the rule of thumb for me is where I make my biggest bets and where I've made the biggest amount of money. Generally, I'm looking for super high alignment and some of those factors that uh, can mean that somebody's really there for the long term and making decisions for the long term. Fair enough. Okay, so let's sum up in terms of uh, how we're going for this first half an hour of the call. And uh, the stock of the day, IAG, we actually had a buy from both of our guests, which is very exciting. And we'll obviously put that forward to the portfolio committee, the investment committee, and basically uh, lots of tailwinds in terms of higher interest rates for the insurer, IAG. AG. Also the fact that they have a lot of pricing power at the moment. So a double buy there. If we run through the five stocks, so Titomic is basically we have a sell from Philip and we also have a sell from Claude. Very, very small company. Uh, too much risk sitting in there. Probably too small a position in the portfolio now. Uh, best to, you know, draw a line in the sand and move on. In terms of Brickworks, we have a hold from from both Philip and Claude. So earnings are going to be under pressure as we see uh, higher interest rates biting into the housing construction sector in both Australia and the US. But nevertheless, it is a good company. And if you own it and you have benefited from this company over the years, you might want to continue to hold on to it. Moving on to XRF's Scientific Limited. So basically, we have a hold from Philip. So good space. The company's been had a really, really good run, but basically a little bit expensive at the moment, where as Claude says, yes, it's expensive, a little bit expensive, but leans more towards a buy on that stock. Going to Ainsworth Game Technology. Well, basically both guests in agreement uh, that basically we're probably a hold possibly the preferred entry point for that sector is the what is perceived the quality more expensive company which is aristocrat so um, i'm actually 
actually incorrect. Claude has a cell on it and Philip has a hold, but both of them would prefer to be in Aristocrat. And last but not least for the first half hour, we have SRG Global and really both like this stock. Philip has a buy on that one, really likes the recurring revenue on those projects coming through. And uh, Claude also owns it, likes it, however, did flag the managing director as sold over a million shares to buy a property. So just would not add at this point in time until he sees some confirmation of earnings growth coming through in the next uh, earnings announcement. So that is the first half an hour, but let's check in in terms of the Ausbiz Conviction Fund. And the call is tracking our own high conviction fund, which is picked by our investment committee. The latest episode of the committee meeting is live for you to watch at ausbiz.com. So let's check in with the portfolio update. Going into July, Boss Energy was replaced by Paladin. Kelsian is out for Levisa. Let's see how the portfolio is performing. So far, our fund is 4.2% on a cumulative return basis since inception on March 1st, 2022. So keep sending in your requests and keep the call switched on to see which stocks our committee will be looking at next. Let's move to the next six stocks and we have a Calyx, Coles, Sigma Healthcare, Lendlease and Volpara Healthcare. Okay, Philip, let's start with Calyx, which has obviously been in the news because they have had an agreement with Pilbara Minerals this week. Correct. Yeah, look, another stock I cover, so I'll, I'll reiterate the buy rating. Uh, Calyx is an interesting company. It's it's a clean and green company. What it what it's in the process of doing is developing uh, some technology that separates the carbon from the commodity that's being produced. So whether it's iron ore or in this case, spodumene, um, it helps producers like Pilbara Minerals potentially um, reduce the carbon um, from the product that they're uh, producing and reduce all the waste that goes along with it. So if you're going to uh, man- uh, if you're going to dig out a dig up a, a commodity to produce a battery to make an electric vehicle to be clean and green. There's no point polluting the uh, environment in the meantime by emitting all these carbon. Yeah. So they announced um, late last year that they were, in, they were forming a joint venture with Pilbara Minerals um, to set up a joint venture to develop uh, a green lithium uh, project, for want of a better phrase. Um, and they were aiming to announce their final investment decision by 30 June which was last week. They're almost there. They're tabling paperwork to be um, dis- to discussed, finalised at the upcoming uh, board meeting. So they put an announcement last week saying, we're almost there. It won't be 30 June. It's probably going to be 31 July, but we're behaving and we're spending like the project's going ahead. And if you read what Pilbara Minerals puts in its annual reports, they're very excited about the joint venture they're forming with Calix and the opportunity to produce um, a you know, clean and green uh, commodity. A lot of the large miners in Australia have um, carbon reduction targets by 2030 or, mm. or whatever it is. It doesn't look like we're going to get there. We're moving very slowly, which is why partnerships like this one with Calix are actually important if they work because the technology is yet to be finalised. They're an important step forward in um, actually producing green um, lime, green cement, green electric batteries. So they're in the right space. They're not producing a profit at the moment, but they've certainly got partnerships with 
a number of large organisations. So we like it in terms of an option on, on the green space that's quite unique on the ASEC. So, yep, we, uh, we call it a buy. Okay, a buy on that one. Certainly the right space. And you're absolutely right about those supply chains. It's really important for electric yeah. vehicle manufacturers to make sure that, you know, all the, the parts that go in have as low emissions as possible. Otherwise, they, you know get a lot of damage, don't they, to the reputation and things. Absolutely. It's yeah. like saying, well, I've got an electric car, but I use a coal-fired power station to charge yeah, kind it. Of, like, well, yeah. are we really green? It's not really the uh, the story how yeah. it should be. Claude, yeah. do you like Calyx? I'm, no, I don't. Respectfully, I disagree strongly with Philip. I The way I would view Calyx is to say there's, you know, speculative businesses in biotech, advanced manufacturing and carbon cap- capture and storage. I mean, we're talking about demonstration plants and stuff like that. There's no indication to that i can see of a viable uh, profit like a, a path to profit where's the money going to come from like is it worth it for on what scale are, are other companies going to be the customers there's a lot of what ifs even around proven uh renewable technology you know i was just reading the other day uh how the pipeline of you know renewable wind and solar and stuff that's all proven and batteries how that is really not as healthy as, as it needs to be so there's a lot of uncertainty. The funding models for this kind of stuff is difficult. You know, I literally wrote my thesis on my honours thesis at university on, you know, grant-based funding mechanisms to stimulate this kind of innovation. It's really hard to, like, you can get, as these guys do, they get grant money from various sources. Uh, you can get money to advance it, but it's really one thing. You know, there used to be a bunch of geothermal companies that have just disappeared mm. that were all surviving on grant money. And so I can see that, like, the, everything we discussed about the court, Pilbara minerals, everything just speculative, like, could be a biotech, anything. Um, and then there's a water business that they bought that sort of got revenue and accounts for most of their revenue, I suspect, now. Certainly it did when they bought it. And their revenue, last I saw, was not even growing and questions whether that business it would even be uh, profitable. Okay, fair enough. So do you have a sell on it, do you think, Claude? I mean, I obvi- I haven't. I looked at it passingly in in the past, like a year ago. Avoid and <laughs> and I could tell that it's just it's you know just as we're talking about three D printers in that yeah PPT yeah yeah thing, no I understand yeah um this is the hype of that yeah. comes up you know green hype oh my god there's going to be this new technology yeah. that's blah 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 it's just hype you can see the charts come down since then yeah. I mean buy at your peril buy okay. if you want to lose your money otherwise sell okay cool. I'm going to put that down as a sell rather than buy at your peril. But I totally understand what you're saying. It's very hard to monetize these things. Um, that, pipe dream. that pipe dream. That was for Ken. Ken, hopefully you're not too despondent after Claude's comments. But let's move on. So Mira. Oh, my heart is where Ken is. I'm a little upset. I used to buy stuff like this. I know no, what it's, it's like to lose money because you think of it, it's a great going to save the environment. That's yeah. how I started, you know, when I was a teenager. Yeah. Oh, this sounds like a great idea. Indeed. Um, um, and yeah, also the the, ma- the 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 fact that you've got such uh, you know bond markets moving wouldn't be helping at the moment either. But yeah. look, we have like you need profits, as Philip was saying before. He's yeah. wary of loss making tech. Well, this yeah. is loss making tech. Indeed. Well, let's move on though. Um, so our seventh stock is Coles. Something a little bit more well for some people, possibly boring, but nevertheless stable. This was picked by Mira. So Philip, do you like boring and stable at the moment? Uh, that's my middle names. Um, <laughs> look, this is almost the complete opposite of the previous stock, but I'm still gonna call it a buy, because if at the moment, um, I'm not saying avoid all the uncertain yeah. stocks. If you don't take a risk, you don't get rewarded. Um, 
because it's just such a, a, it's in a strong space at the moment. We saw the retail sales data, the more detailed data come out two days ago. People are spending on food. People are always going to be spending yeah. on food. Takeaway food restaurants still growing. Um, uh, and the actual uh, supermarkets grew, I think, 6% off the top of my head. Um, if and when we go into the recession, let's say when, we're going to eat out less. Yeah. We're going to trade down more in terms of what we buy. We're still going to buy food. Even mm. if we stop buying the expensive milk, we'll buy the house brand milk, same with peanut butter and that kind of stuff. Um, that, that's why these companies are trading at a decent premium. Uh, it is, uh, so I like the space. Woolies, I guess you'd call the market leader. That's a 26 times. Coles is at 22 times. Mech. That's that's always been there, hasn't it? Woolies yeah. has always traded at premium, though, hasn't it? They've been growing market share. Yeah. So the perception, anyway, is that the price-conscious customer may well go to Coles going forward more so than Woolies. Um, hard to tell, but I could consider them a two-horse race. There's Metcash, but Metcash, those hardware as well, which the ABS data showed all the housing-related stuff went backwards, mm. hardware went backwards. And there's a view by some analysts that the Metcash brand will lose some market share yeah. to the two leaders. So let's call Coles and Woolies a, a two-horse race. Um, you can buy the market leader in Woolies. I don't think you'll go wrong. It's 400 basis point PE differential between Coles and Woolies. What I would consider a two-horse race, I would buy Coles on that basis. Uh, if you're nervous, Marcus, 12-month view, we will still spend on food. We'll probably spend more on food than we will in restaurants going forward the next 12 months. So I think Coles is very safe. Um, not cheap versus the market, but cheap worth versus Woolies. So I'm going to call Coles a buy. Okay, cool. What about you, Claude? Are you going to go shopping in Coles? Uh, I actually end up using Woolies all the time. I'm not <laughs> quite sure why. Just because I've got it's got my shopping preferences saved. Uh, I actually think both Coles and Woolies are great businesses and couldn't agree more with uh, Philip's comments in terms of I would just buy this one because it's a little bit cheaper. I'd be thinking, uh, you know, obviously, if you look at the, the chart, there's always a bit of a a differential between the uh, forward PE of Woolies and Coles. For some reason, Woolies always higher. But I'd actually just say eyeballing the chart at the moment, uh, it's the, the the gap has widened a little bit. Like, for example, at the beginning of 2023, it's a bit closer than it is now. So on that basis, I do actually agree. Why not go for the cheaper one? On top of that, I think they have, um, you know, very good defensive characteristics. I think, you know, ultimately in inflation, uh, although you want to buy things that are capital light uh, with uh, pricing power, there's not like that's not really doesn't ideally fit as a buy for me. So it's not the kind of high risk stuff that I that I'd want to buy. But for a more conservative investor who might be a little bit older than me, I do think I would call it a buy. Okay, is that is that your uh, father-in-law, or is that your father that buys those stocks? You know, he he doesn't own he doesn't own any of these, but yeah, that that he does own all the boomer stocks in the family that I'm aware of. Uh, but I don't think he has calls. Okay, fair enough. But we've got two two buys there, which is quite exciting. Anyway, let's. Well, there's nothing wrong with safe and boring. Certainly, when markets are taking a tumble. So our eighth stock is Sigma Healthcare, picked by Clara, and. Uh, uh, of course, they have recently won that chemist warehouse or extended that chemist warehouse contract. Claude, do you like Sigma? Uh, it's a, well, it's a pity you went to me first because I was really looking forward to Philip's view of this one. Uh, I actually was on the wrong end of, well, actually, I don't think I held EBOS at the time, but I used to invest in EBOS, yeah. uh, a sort of competitor who had at that time won the chemist warehouse contract. 
and uh, that's all reversed. And Sigma's gone on a bit of a turnaround. So if you look at the PE ratio now, uh, you're not going to get a great idea of probably where their earnings are going to be going forward. Uh, it is a little bit of a turnaround play. Uh, they have gone through this process of improving their IT systems and they basically, the service levels drop to their uh, customers. They basically say, oh, at the same time, this is fixed. You know, we're also, they've won the chemist warehouse contract and, and had all of uh, this strange deal where they've given up some of their equity, stuff like that. Uh, I think that uh, it's got an, there's an interesting thesis now there. And, and it could be, yeah, well, you just need to cycle some better results, start getting that chemist warehouse contract uh, there, you're going to have volume, more volume across a fixed space is generally good for a distributor. So it could be a real turnaround story now. And I'd say that the uh, the pieces are starting to fall into place. Uh, again, probably following that ethos of I, I would be, I'm too afraid to go back because their actual recent history where they got to, how they got to where they were was really ugly. So that would make me a little bit cautious. And so turnarounds are not usually my favorite kind of investment. Partly that's because when I've tried them, I haven't always done that well. So uh, I'm a bit cautious of this kind of thesis, but I really do see it as, as a viable thesis there. And that could give you an uplift as you know operating leverage kicks in and earnings come right up in the next couple of years. So interesting one from there. I think I'll have to give it a hold uh, just because, to be honest, I'm closer to buying their competitor EBOS, which mm. I've previously sold out of. Uh, but, you know, the, I do th see the next couple of years as key, a key opportunity for Sigma to really improve their earnings and get the get continuing positive momentum in their share price. Okay, so a hold on that one and a turnaround story. Philip, your turn. <laughs> I call it a buy. Uh, it's just like I follow through, I like cover it. Uh, Pharmacy, retail pharmacy in Australia is a $25 billion industry. Yeah, it's huge, Grew isn't it? about 10% in the year to May. Australians go to the pharmacists about 350,000 times, uh, one-off visits a year. Uh, aging population, in the last 10 years, our average age has gone from 27 to 37. So we're getting older and we're using more products. Um, there are three main wholesalers. Sigma is a wholesaler. So there's Sigma, there's Eboss, as Claude mentioned, and there's Australian Pharmaceuticals Industries, which is now owned by West Farmers. If you strip out the Gorilla, which is Chemist Warehouse, they're about 25% of the market. The three wholesalers roughly got a third market share, plus or minus with some hospitals. The swing factor has been uh, Chemist Warehouse. Uh, Sigma used to have it all, then lost it all, then won back half and shared it with Eboss. And now from 1 July next year, they'll have the entire Chemist Warehouse contract, which is currently $3 billion. By the time we get to mm. a year's time, with the current growth rates, it'll be 3.3, one would assume. Uh, and given the Chemist Warehouse will end up with about 10% of Sigma, um, you probably assume they're not going to renew that away uh, when the contract goes up in, in five years' time. So uh, history tells you, um, EBOS has done a great job, especially when they won the, um, the, the prescription medicines business from, um, from, from Chemist Warehouse. History tells you, you back the company that has Chemist Warehouse, and from 1 July next year, it will be entirely Sigma uh, mm -hmm. on my evaluation, Sigma's cheap. You'll probably find that, of course, right, it's a turnaround. Uh, we won't know yet what um, the earnings will be um, in two years' time when the contract's in full. Three bill added to the current revenue Sigma does. 
should be about five and a half billion dollar uh, mm -hmm. revenue for for the company overall. For me, I would buy it now because I'm expecting positive news in the next 18 months as this um, contract comes on board. So buy the company that has Chemist Warehouse as a exposure, not just a Sigma, but indirectly to Chemist Warehouse. So I Fair would um, call it a buy. Okay, so not a double buy, but we do have a buy and a hold. Uh, Danny, can I change mine to a buy? I think it should oh. go to the committee. Oh, this is so exciting. There. I agree on the short term. Long term, I'm not super excited about it, but I reckon the next couple of years it could be interesting. Oh, my God. We have the trifecta, but we'll have, to, we'll have to hold on to the end of the show to remind everybody of that. Well, there we go. Let's go to the next stock, Lend-Lease, our ninth stock picked by Ito. So, Philip, it's a checkered, checkered company. It's not, not the old company with Mark Diesendorf used to run it. You were probably weren't around in the 80s. Not Mark oh. Diesendorf, sorry, what was his name? I'm trying to remember the CEO way back then. Well before my time. Well before your time. Cord and I are the same age, aren't we, aren't we Cord? Uh, <laughs> I got know. the CEO's yeah. name wrong and I've completely forgotten at the moment. But yeah, they have had quite a few problems. Do you like Lend-Lease at the moment? Look, it's a juggernaut. Uh, I think recent performance has been okay. Um, I don't think it's neither here nor there. I think it's broadly in line. It's, it's had a nice little bounce. Uh, I think it's broadly in line with analysts' expectations. The big concern is they're sticking to their guidance in that they'll put $6 billion worth of money to invest uh, basically now mm -hmm. um, or second half year gone by. Other projects around, if a, if a developer can't reinvest their capital, then their earnings will, will be hit. Um, and the analysts who cover the stock don't have a lot of visibility as to whether they can get fully invested and I think reflect that in their um, in their guidance. So over time it has delivered. It's probably not the ideal condition for them. You can see this a lot of the headwinds are uh, reflected in that share price. So I'm going to call it a hold basically because any prospective headwinds are in the share price. It's probably a good longer term buy but at the moment I would just call it a hold as we wait for the results which are about six weeks away to see how they've gone and reinvesting that capital and if they choose to give us any guidance for FY24 uh, you don't need to rush into it now. I wouldn't sell it um, but I, I would call it a genuine hold given that the short term outlook for them is a bit murky. Let's see what they've delivered in the second half of 23 and if they give an outlook statement for FY24. Okay, so Claude, Lend-Lease. Um, we do know it comes with a little bit of, for those with a green tinge, there has been some concern over one of their projects involving koalas, which caused Australian Ethical to sell out. So what do you think of Lend-Lease? Well, yeah, that's right, Danny. The problem with their, uh, their approach to development is that, you know, Basically, according to the Guardian, it's inconsistent with the advice and recommendations contained in the Office of the Chief Scientist and Engineer Advice on the protection of the koalas in Campbelltown. And I think this is a headwind for them just because, generally speaking, if you don't um, do the right thing with regards to koalas and other furry animals, uh, eventually you get, uh, you know, your ESG rating goes down. There are fewer buyers of your stock, and it just means your multiple is going to be a little bit lower. So that's okay for investors that want dividends, but then the dividend's not even impressive either. So obvious sell for me, you've got no real angle to buy, definitely uh, wouldn't be hoping for any kind of multiple expansion, you know, since that tends to go with reputation and general demand for your stock. So overall, a real negative. I think the management probably need a bit, big of a, a bit of a change of approach. New, new management could go a long way to improving this company. But uh, at the same time, you know, it's not the it's not the worst stock on the ASX, but I still say, you know, look, 
I'm going to fall back here on how you're supposed, to, how I believe one should invest, and how you should do your uh, portfolio in an inflation environment. Very clear from Warren Buffett's letters that he was writing it at the end of the uh, 70s, 80s high inflation period. He reflects, I think it's the 1981 letter. He reflects on what companies have done well on that environment, and it's companies with pricing power, and it's companies with the ability to uh, reinvest at, at high rates of return. So, and essentially ones that do not require a lot of capital to grow because for the ones that are profitable that require a lot of capital to grow their cash isn't keeping up with their profits because they're constantly needing to increase their working capital so this scores poorly on that on that rubric as well so i just couldn't even consider holding it so that's fair enough um yeah so basically a hold and a sell for you claude you would actually be divesting rather than okay the the dividend yields not enough if the dividend yield gets big enough then the fact that it has a low share price becomes a moot point but it's not there yeah indeed indeed well let's move on to our 10th stock of the day volpara health technologies this has been picked by laura so claude do you like volpara I really do like Volpire as a business, and it's one that it is a loss-making tech stock, and it really left it probably a little bit late, or it seemed a little bit late to start its transition to uh, cash flow positive. And so for that reason, I had sold out of the stock because I, I could see it was late on that move, and indeed it did get sold down. But what you're seeing on that chart there is since the new CEO took over, and it wasn't any kind of hostile situation, the old CEO, my take, he wasn't feeling like he was the guy to do all the firing. So he, the founder, stepped aside out of that CEO role. New CEO came in. She has cut a lot of costs. And as a result, the financials are looking much better. The last two quarters uh, between them, they've averaged positive uh, operating cash flow. And the signal to the market that you've seen recently that I think also bodes well is that they've actually said, oh, we're massively reducing our debt facilities because what had happened is, as I said, they're a bit late to the party to, to tighten the belts. So they got this debt facility in case they ran out of cash. Uh, but it seems like they're not going to need much of that debt facility because they've reduced it from New Zealand 10 million to 2.5 million. That's a positive signal. And so far, you'd, ha- you'd be struggled to take any marks away from the new CEO who has come in and uh, really taken the business on more of a path to financial sustainability. So very interesting one. Oh, it's run up a little bit late lately, and I have been hesitating to buy shares myself just because it hasn't really crossed, crossed over the profitability yet. It's just looking better now. So, of course, you might miss some gains if you wait for that profitability, but probably that's where I am at the moment. Uh, but I'd probably call it a hold now uh, rather than a sell because I think it might have been through the worst. Fair enough. That makes sense. I was just having a look at um, earnings expectations and loss. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Um, Let's have a look. Turning to apparently profitability in full year 25. So still a way off according to consensus forecast. Mind you, there are only two brokers in that one. Philip, do you like Volpara? Look, it's in a good space. Software for mammography, Mm. clearly important Mm. space. And I think what's excited the market with the share price um, move then was the reiteration or the confirmation that they will be cash flow EBITDA positive sometime during FY24, probably to the back end. Uh, and although it's only covered by two brokers and it looks cheap based on their price targets, 
they all chase their tail, share price move, mm. then they push their price targets up. So as a publishing no, analyst, really? do analysts just, just, do that? Just, just be careful when that take, <laughs> look, look at their old price targets, not their new price targets. So I'm gonna call it a hold. Um, but the market loves a, a software stock, a tech stock that moves from losses to profits. And typically that's when you get the, the best returns. It's flagging potentially EBITDA small positive in FY24, certainly FY25 for the first full year, but I think the price will move as soon as they demonstrate on a monthly basis their cash flow or EBITDA positive. Um, I wouldn't buy it, but if you owned it and you had the upgrade, I would just hang on to it because it's in the right space, um, despite currently being a cash burner. Um, good announcement the other day. Yeah, I, I would, it's a genuine hold, uh, but I wouldn't buy it at current levels. I, I would almost ignore the broker valuations on this one because they're, they're chasing their tail. I mean, they might have buys on the stock, but in terms of price targets, I think they have followed the share price up. But again, is it in a good space? Absolutely. I always start with, is it in the right industry? And yes, it is. It's probably fair value, um, but that's not a reason to sell the stock. So I'll, I'll call it a hold. Fair enough. Well, nevertheless, um, I don't think any of our viewers will be complaining because it has been quite an exciting day. But before we get to a total summary, let's just run through these last five stocks. And uh, well, talk about uh, our two guests not agreeing on Calix. So Philip has a buy, it's in the clean green space, but uh, Claude very much a sell, just feels there is too much blue sky, I would it as that in terms of earnings expectations with a lot of the technologies still unproven in terms of how you actually monetize it for the company. So on that one, one buy and one sell, which might cancel it down to a neutral. But Coles, yes, both of the guests really like Coles. We're talking a defensive company should be the beneficiary as uh, well economic growth slows down and the consumer has to continue to buy food products and essential products for the home. Coles is the cheaper sometimes in terms of the products offered compared to Woolies. They like both companies, but both Philip and Claude have a buy on Coles. It is cheaper, generally speaking, compared to Woolworths, but nevertheless, that's no reason not to buy it. Looking at Sigma Healthcare, and uh, really, this was most exciting because we also have a double buy on Sigma Healthcare. So clearly winning that chemist warehouse contract Contract, very, very positive for the company. In the right space, the pharmaceutical industry market is massive, 25 billion aging population. So a strong background in terms of, I suppose, tailwinds for this company. Then if we look at Lendlease, well, not a lot of love in this space. Philip a hold um, at best and Claude really a sell, feeling that possibly their ESG credentials are being heavily impacted impacted, particularly with that development out in Campbelltown, which has been most controversial for that koala colony, but also management uh, could possibly do with a shakeup. And then in terms of a med tech, everybody loves a great software story, Volpara Healthcare, um, just because it's run up a little bit, it's in a good space, a, a medical software provider, but it has to turn around to be cash flow positive get the earnings coming through. And on that basis, both Philip and Claude have a hold recommendation on that. 
But if we just briefly sum up, um, I would say this has been quite a, well, not only a fun show with two great guests. So I'd like to thank both Philip here in the studio, Claude Walker, my friend who is hopefully somewhere nice at this point in time in the run up to the weekend. But we have had three uh, double buys to go through to the investment committee. So I would call on this bleak day on the stock market, although I just checked in to see we have had some buying coming into the afternoon session, which is positive. So hope you've all enjoyed the show, enjoyed the call this afternoon. Do not go away because there's a lot more coming up with The Pulse at 1pm when Andrew Gagan will be joining you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.